Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Victor Long and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my co-host, Ryan Whitfield, uh, who is completely underwater. Welcome back, Ryan. How you doing, man? Yeah, uh, made it this week, unlike last week. So, you know, uh, doing better, better than a week we're ago. We're already ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, we're giving the people what they want. We're giving them, we're giving them more Ryan. I know that we've been, uh, we've been doing it with Joey. Joey's no Ryan. No offense, Joey. So here we go. We are a lot of gonna... offense, Joey. A lot of offense. I hope you listen. <laughs> hey, listen. Let me ask you this question. How did you like the Super Bowl? Just before we get into the nitty gritty, we're gonna be breaking that all down today and talking about key plays, takeaways, all that other fun stuff. But what, I, I, how did you enjoy watching it? Was it was it any fun? Did you think it was a good game? How, just high level. Yeah. So I'll come back in guns blazing. Um, I thought overall it was a pretty boring game. The last 10 minutes was exciting, and then I had to watch Tyreek Hill parade around with his child uh, on the field, <laughs> which was, I thought, just was in absolute poor taste. So yeah, uh, that yeah. was my high-level notes. That it was entertaining for 10 minutes, the beginning was boring, and the end I hated because of that. Woo! That is a hot take, everybody. Hot take. That's spicy right there. So let's go. Well, where do we go from there? Let's just start talking about Everybody saw it. Super Bowl 54 this last Sunday. We had San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs winning that one 31 to 20. It was uh, it wasn't much of a nail biter till it got to the end. In fact, I had noted this um, on uh, on Twitter. I had noted this also on an article I put up at at the point that um, they were third and 15 at about eight minutes, a little bit under eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. The San Francisco 49ers were actually um, were actually had a probability of 95.4 percent to win that game. And somehow managed to get the four percent chance of not winning that game. So, and not only not winning that game, but not winning that game big because of uh, the last uh, minute Damian Williams 38-yard run, which was inexcusable in that situation. But that's uh, you know that's details. And that game, Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 for 31, 219 yards, touchdown, two inter- interceptions. One of them was the basically last play of the game. Patrick Mahomes, 26 for 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown two interceptions on his part as well. Raheem Mostert, underwhelming, 12 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown leading rusher for the 49ers. Damian Williams, 104 yards and a touchdown, most of which was on that last uh, last minute 38-yard jaunt at the end of the game. Surprisingly, the receiving yard leader on the uh, San Francisco side was Kendrick Bourne with 42 yards. Pretty sad there. And then Kansas City, it was Tyreek Hill, 105 yards, nine receptions. Well, let's go ahead and start at the beginning. What do you think here uh, with this Super Bowl? You already tell us your thoughts overall, but what did the 49ers do right? What did the 49ers do wrong? And then we'll split to the other side after that about the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about the 49ers first. So the 49ers, um, they came out with a with a solid game plan. Um, you know, I thought while they held Kansas City uh, pretty scoreless up until the end, obviously, um, that you started to – it noticed a fatal flaw on that 49ers team. I thought uh, early in mm-hmm. that game uh, from the defensive side that, that continued throughout the game, which was uh, their, their linebacking play was atrocious. There mm-hmm. was um, on the first touchdown and there was another early conversion of the game where there was a, 
uh, the Chiefs ran a four, uh, ran an option, and in both plays there was a, it was a member of the secondary who who had come downhill who was stuck in a two on one situation. Yep. And, and for your linebackers to to be that far out or that blocked off on the play, and I'd have to go back and really analyze where they got washed out, but yep. uh, to not have a single guy from from your linebacking core out there to help on the on the option plays inexcusable. Uh, yep. So I thought that they played pretty poor. But aside from that, they played a good game. I mean, I, I think it's just because Richard Sherman's so loud that people have such an issue with him. They, you know, it's, it's kind of been my big takeaway from the end of the game. Like Richard Sherman didn't have a particularly great game. Um, right. But you know, the same people that want to talk about how great Kansas City is are also ripping uh, Richard Sherman like he was getting torched by, you know, uh, the the Seahawks yeah. outside of. Uh, right. uh, Outside of Lockett, you know, like that that kind of a receiving core. I mean, that's a pretty tough receiving core. So, um, yep. you know, what I what I think where I think that they lost it was twofold. Um, you know, and uh, first of all, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo has to has to take a hit here. Um, a guy yep. that I've been in favor of for a long time, but I think yeah, big um, fan. If I'm put if I'm passing out the 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 blame pie, um, for me, blame two B. Or uh, you know the person to blame in the two B spot is Garoppolo, two A is the 49ers defense. Um, Garoppolo again was uh, he was one of nine when he was pressured for 11 yards, um, and it's visible. Uh, so you know it might yeah. say well I can't be you know the defense played great up until the final 10 minutes, but I mean that was supposed to be the thing your team was built around. So for them to collapse on the stretch like that, sorry they have to be ahead of Garoppolo in my opinion. So they're two A, and the number one is the guy that we got to get to, is Kyle Shanahan. There have been yeah. three times in the history of the Super Bowl where a 10-point lead or a double-digit point lead has been blown in the fourth quarter. Kyle Shanahan was on two of those coaching staff. Um, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't appear to learn from, from Atlanta to me. For whatever reason, he was super ca- uh, ca- cautious uh, at the end of the first half there. Um, I thought both coaches were actually cautious. I don't think Andy Reid gets enough blame for that either. But, they, you know, they don't call time up, then they get the ball, and they run it on first down, run it on second down. And it wasn't until third down after the Kansas City timeout that they then tried to convert for a first down. Uh, right. It was just a, a quick little angle route out of the backfield that they hit on, uh, mm-hmm. got it towards midfield, and that's when they started going for it. Um, yep. On the other side, and I'll touch on them then after, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Andy Reid, if, if I'm Andy Reid, if they come out and run the ball on first down there, I'm calling a timeout at first down and putting the pressure on them. Uh, right. To me, that was two coaches who had been on the big stage and blown it before that were basically both just happy to get to the to the locker room at 10-10. Um, yeah. So I thought that was terrible. And then the one play that I keep coming back to was after the Chiefs made it, um, I think you said, oh, we talked about it earlier, it's been a long week, whatever it was, 20-17 to <laughs> 17 at that point. Um, yep. The 49ers came out, ran, got five yards on first down, and then they passed on second down. Yeah. The yeah. same guy who all he had to do was call three straight runs after Julio Jones' catch, and my Patriots don't get that huge comeback in 2016, didn't learn the lesson. It was yep. second and five. They were running five yards a clip all day. Most yep. likely, they probably pick up that first down, and then they, and then they get a whole other set. They continue to run the clock, and they could have run that thing down inside of two minutes if they just picked up two first downs on the ground. And right. he threw it. He yep. threw it. Yep. And then they had to throw it on third down, and now they're punting the ball back. And that offense is never out of it because of how quick they score, but especially if you're just going to basically take the ball and go three and out in less than 40 seconds, and you're, you're asking to lose that game. So um, Kyle Shannon had some soul-searching 
uh, to do for everything he did right earlier in the postseason. I don't remember which game it was. If it was the the Vikings, I think it was the Vikings. Actually, they ran away from the Packers. It was the Vikings game where you could tell the minute they got up in the in the second half. I mean, he was starting to try to kill that clock with like eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, right. But apparently, he forgot that lesson when he got back on the on the stage of the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, let me just say to the, to the to to shore up your point, San Francisco 49ers were averaging 6.4 yards per carry. At 6.4 yards per carry, you would think that that is the perfect time to employ your run game when you're du- when you're up by three and there's literally uh, five minutes, 31 seconds left in the game. You really need to take advantage of that. And like you said, that first run was five yards. Why don't you stick with that? I mean, it was really starting to click. Right, and even if form. you're afraid to run the ball up the middle again, run the end around to Debo Samuel again because apparently yeah. the Chiefs didn't see that one on film. I, oh my God! I, I watched. You know, I I don't live on the West Coast. I don't see San Francisco every single week, and I've seen that freaking play 20 times this year. But apparently, right. Kansas City missed it in their press. <clears throat> Somehow they did were, not they were prepare for that at all. Back all. They, I mean, they ran the, they ran the play three or four times of the game. So I mean, even if you were worried about running it up the middle, come out and run it again in that situation. Even if you lose two right. yards, at least the clock's still moving. So, Correct. yeah, just complete mismanagement. Absolutely. Three carries for 53 yards. Each time was a sweep to the outside. Uh, 17.7 yards per carry. Uh, what the heck? I mean, everything was clicking. Even Tevin Coleman was averaging 5.6 yards per carry with a bad shoulder. I mean, <laughs> I don't – none of this makes any sense uh, why they didn't run the ball there. Uh, they came out with two passes, obviously, turned it back over, and then that was basically the end of it. I also want to – before we flip to the other side, I will say this as well. Terrible management at the end of the first half. Really terrible management. I, you know, I don't understand that, why you don't call your timeouts on both sides, honestly. If you're the 49ers, you should go for it. This is a Super Bowl, right? You got three timeouts and a minute to go. You go down, you try to get down the field and get that, get that field goal or get that touchdown, go out with a little bit of momentum. You don't sit there and play conservative and try to run the clock out. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, what's the point of putting pressure on them on, on third down? I mean, anyway, none of that made sense to me. So there's number one. But number two is – to talk about this Jimmy Garoppolo issue, there were certain aspects, parts of the game. There were at least three in particular, and two and two that completely, I think, could have changed the outcome of the game. At the at the beginning of the third quarter, uh, they had that first drive out of the second half kickoff, where they consumed five minutes and 31 seconds, went 60 yards on nine plays, and they ended up with a 42-yard field goal. Now that. At the very end of that drive on third and five, Jimmy G completely missed the fact that Kittle was out there uh, in the middle of the field. He had run an in route in the middle of the field, was completely open. He got nervous, and he checked it down to Tevin Coleman, got three yards, and they kicked the field goal. That could have changed the outcome, honestly, because they would have burnt a lot more time off. They probably could have gotten close enough to score a touchdown with that run game that was starting to click at that point. That changes the narrative uh pretty dramatically, I think, if the, uh, if the Chiefs are down by 14 at some point and uh, have a lot less time on the clock. So that's number one. Number two is um, just completely overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders when he got behind the defense at the end of the fourth quarter. You know, I, I, it's a tough throw, but, you know, you kind of you have to hit. you got to give him a chance. You can't overthrow him so that he doesn't even have a chance. And I know Emmanuel Sanders isn't the fastest guy on the field, uh, but he was open, and he got behind the defense as they wanted him to, and that would have been a walk-in touchdown. That could have changed things as well. So all that being said, um, I agree with everything you said about the 49ers. Let's flip to the other side. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. What did they do wrong, uh, and what did they do right? Yeah, so before I move on to that, I actually just want to touch on those two points you made. So uh, yep. on that, uh, the Garoppolo stuff, um, 100%, you know, I, he you – know, the thing I come back to because the argument I have with people is that I think he's – if I had to rate him now, 
Um, I've said for the last couple of years, I'd put him somewhere in the 8 to 12 range. Admittedly, before mm-hmm. this game, I had I would have had him probably closer to the 8th or ninth best quarterback in football, and I think mm-hmm. you have to downgrade him to closer to 12 now. Um, yeah. But it does get me thinking, because the guys that I often find people arguing with me about um, are guys like uh, Calvin Johnson. And, mm-hmm. and my point back remains on Jimmy has, has a long way to go, and I, I think particularly – he has a hard time reading over the middle where there's all that traffic. And, you know, if right. Shanahan was smart, he'd keep, keep the passing route to the outside. His best ball of the day was that deep ball um, to Kittle that got called back on, I'm sorry, right. by the letter of the law, yes, a penalty, but in the Super Bowl, that's not a push-off. There, there was full right. extension and separation created, but I, I, you don't throw that flag in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. But, I agree. Uh, so, you know, but my point is that, you know, when I come back to the weapons of the 49ers, and I like Debo, but he's a rookie. Outside of Debo and outside of Kittle, you know, Sanders isn't what he used to be. And you said he's not the fastest. The bigger concern there is because, again, a guy I often find myself having to argue against when I'm arguing for Jimmy is somebody like Matt Stafford. Well, Matt Mm -hmm. Stafford has had Galladay and Calvin Johnson to throw to in his career. And if Emmanuel Sanders had the height of either one of those kind of guys, um, that ball might be a little bit more catchable. When you're trying to hit a guy, you know, of his stature that far downfield with only a step of separation – it's a pretty tough play. So I still think yep. that they got to put better weapons around him on the offensive side. Um, I think he's a, a plus game manager. You know, he's not an elite guy. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you give him enough weapons, he can do better. But he certainly can't make do with, like you said, Kendrick Bourne being the number one receiver in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's shocking. Um, Absolutely shocking. And, and honestly, yeah, Debo so, Samuel, one of their best weapons, five for nine for 39 yards. I mean, he really didn't try. I mean, I, I understand he can create. But Debo Samuel's pretty fast. Um, I don't understand why you don't take – if you're going to take shots, why not Debo Samuel? He's obviously – he was – It felt like every time they targeted him, it was on slants over the middle. It was all right. it was all slants over the middle and then end rounds with Debo. So and then, and it then, feels and like they right, him as kind of a gimmick piece. Exactly, exactly. And that doesn't make sense to me. He's basically your best weapon outside of Kittle. So, anyway, let's flip over to the Chiefs. Like, what do you think about them? What do they do wrong? What do they do right? So, um, on the wrong side of things, um, you know, I know – the big turning point that they've all alluded to uh, since the game Sunday night was Tyron Matthew flipping out on the sideline. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think Tyron Matthew was, was the issue. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's going to, it's going to get forgotten because it's just how, what an unbelievable postseason run um, and what an unbelievable fourth quarter he had. Patrick Mahomes was garbage the first three quarters of that game. He was off right. on everything uh, that, you know, it, people talk about the interceptions and I know on one, he got rocked, and he definitely was slow to get up. But sure, he got him back, but he also fumbled twice. And, and right. you, can't, you can't forget that this is a guy who almost turned over the ball four times. And on the strip sack by Bosa, I mean, if that gets recovered by the 49ers, they, that game might also get to an insurmountable point. Because I think that was right. close to his own 25 or 30 when that happened. Um, right. and, they, and they got points on the, on the other fumble. So, I mean, if either one of those doesn't get, you know, if those, if those are f- not just fumbles, but fumbles lost, um, that completely flips that game. So, I mean, that's a guy who almost had four turnovers. So, again, the fourth quarter will race it. Um, we have to joke around here that, you know, Brady obviously had an unbelievable Super Bowl in 18, uh, amazing comeback in 17, and in 14 was one of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever watched. But outside of the fourth quarter, uh, the Seahawks were making Brady look terrible in that game. And so he's been the same benefactor of a game where he really was on the verge of playing his third bad Super Bowl in a row and then had an unbelievable quarter comeback in the fourth quarter against that Seahawks team. Um, so Mahomes is going to get that same benefit where most people are going to forget about those first three quarters where he was, was terrible. Um, right. So I think that that was the biggest thing he needed to fix, to be honest. Uh, right. You know, I, and I think, 
Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing about that team, right? The minute he clicks in, and the minute that team clicks in, I mean, it's just like it, it just happens just like that. Um, right. I mean, we saw it in that in that uh, that game against the Texans to start the playoffs. It was uh, a nice kickoff return uh, by Michael Hardman, and then I think it was two plays later, boom, it's a touchdown, and then and then you know Billy O'Brien pooped his pants, and the whole thing went to hell. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I honestly, it sounds like weak analysis, but I think the defense played pretty consistent the whole game. And I thought the offense, um, I mean, Kelsey was pretty consistent the whole game. Tyreek, uh, wasn't great early on. Um, obviously ended up, I think with just over a hundred yards and, yep. uh, and, and made some plays on the stretch. Uh, but I think that him and him and him and Mahomes kind of clicked in at the same time. I do think, um, that a lot of people are talking, uh, obviously about Mahomes as the MVP, and then you know the the crowd who were upset that Damian Williams didn't win the MVP, which is again, you you alluded to this earlier, so thank you for that. He was pedestrian outside of that big run. I mean, he was yeah, fine. He, was. he wasn't it wasn't he a bad was. game, but I think right. you don't watch that game and go, Damian Williams can't be stopped. You know, it wasn't he wasn't taking <laughs> over, and it wasn't That's until right. Mahomes turned it on that that it got better. I mean, if you want to talk about the one guy who's probably the biggest unsung hero who made plays on almost every single one of their, their important scoring drives, um, who was good all four quarters, which was a rarity in that offense, and although Kelsey had put up there too. Um, I thought Sammy Watkins should have been the MVP. I thought that he was the most impactful player uh, consistently from the opening snap to the rest to the entire game. Um, yep. I, I do not like Sammy Watkins. Uh, that's, that's a lot of fantasy anger after his right. electric. <laughs> right. You've said it many times. Um, and then doing nothing for years. Um, so yep. it's, it's not fair to the guy. But I hate him for it. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so me saying that is not me just being a big Sammy Watkins fan. That just I honestly thought the entire game, and then when he made the big catch down the stretch, I said, okay, not only has it been good all four quarters, but now he's made a key contribution here at the end of the game. Uh, and actually, in one of my group texts, one of our friends texted and said, my God, Sammy Watkins is going to win this freaking MVP, isn't he? Um, and that was exactly <laughs> my same thought. So um, yeah. I understand you got to give it to Mahomes at the end because that's what they do when quarterbacks go off like that. It takes a lot for a receiver to win it. But um, if you want to talk about who I thought consistently was a plus player on the field for them, it was Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know what's interesting about Damian Williams? Only only four yards per carry if you take out that 38-yard run at the end of the game, which was just crap defense. You know, I mean, I, I mean give him, I'll give him a little bit of credit for getting out around the corner, but, like, it was just crap defense, basically. Uh, you take that out, and he basically was worse than pedestrian. I mean, he wasn't really what you want in your lead running back. So that, that doesn't make any sense that Damian Williams would be MVP. Um, that being said, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, it's interesting to me because at the time where they, they he made that third and 15, the 44-yard completion of Tyreek Hill, I got that feeling, the same feeling I got in Super Bowl 51 when the, you know, Patriots kind of just started turning around. I got that feeling this is just going to happen. There's just no way they're going to be stopped. It's just going to happen. And it was almost like dread, like, oh, my gosh. I mean, not, not that I didn't want the Chiefs to win or anything. And, and, and in all full, full honesty, I picked the 49ers to win. I put money in the 49ers. That did not work out for me. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, when I, I had that feeling. I had that feeling that when Patrick Mahomes suddenly made that connection, the, the confidence was there, and he was going to start making plays. And uh, lo and behold, he made lots of plays. And in that last drive, he was five for five. Uh, and that touchdown that with Damian Williams that ended up uh, taking the lead permanently. So, you know, he gets his, he gets his confidence there. They start clicking and it's over. I did notice something weird though. Um, and I don't know how many plays he sat out, but Nick Bosa actually did come out a couple times 
and uh, the 49ers did start blitzing at the end, and that was a mistake uh, because Mahomes is has the highest passer rating against the blitz, I believe, in the regular season, and has only thrown of his uh, of his 18 career interceptions, 16 of them have been against four pass rushers or less, only two against the blitz. So obviously the blitz doesn't work on Patrick Mahomes, and I think if there's less coverage, he can pick you up hard, and that's what he did. That's what he did. Now, I don't know how serious the Nick Bosa injury was. Um, I did see him back out there pretty frequently, but that could have impacted them at the end as well because he was definitely really rocking it. And and you mentioned that strip sack, um, which actually, by the way, ended up being um, Mahomes for the the very next play was Mahomes' first interception in 164 attempts, and it did lead to a Mostert one-yard TD dive, um, which made it a two-score game. But, yeah, you know, the fact of the matter is that Bosa was disrupting like nobody's business. He he, he was credited – for so many hurries, he had tipped pass several times. I mean, he was a real force to be reckoned with. I'm excited to see what they can do next year. I think Jimmy Garoppolo will actually take some steps forward. I will also agree with that with Sammy Watkins being very impactful. Five for six, five of six for 98 yards. Uh, he he made every big catch you wanted him to make. Um, and those weren't perfectly placed balls most of the time. Now he did have a lot of separation, and he did find those areas in the middle of the zone that were open. And I I credit Watkins for that. I don't think that was uh, I don't think that was Mahomes. I think that was Watkins finding the place to be and Mahomes spotting him and getting him the ball and uh, Watkins, Watkins kind of creating. So I, I agree with that. Let me ask you this question. Um, you know, the, the question that I have is, you know, was this really a, a coaching thing or a player performance thing? I mean, I know we talked, you talked about it a little bit earlier about Shanahan and Reed, but, you know, do you think this was uh, the San Francisco 49ers kind of collapsing at the end? Was it really on their defense? Was it on Jimmy Garoppolo? Or do you think it was a play-calling problem? That would, that you, if you had to point the finger at one of those things, which one of those things would you think is most responsible? So, um, and, and I'll, uh, I'll agree with you for a second that um, the minute that third down conversion on third and 15 happened, you knew the game, like you said. That was the, <laughs> uh, oh boy, here they come moment. Um, right. And it's, I mean, it's really, again, it's really hard to, to split it up who's most to blame. But I, I go back to the coach because, um, you know, and I, again, I think it's coach one. I think two A is the defense and two B is Jimmy Garoppolo. Those, 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 right. That's the blame pie for me um, and the blame order. But, it, again, if you go back and watch that, that Super Bowl with the Patriots against the Falcons, the Falcons were, uh, were trying to go for the knockout punch on offense and they were trying to go out for the knockout punch on defense. And I right. know that Shanahan at that time wasn't responsible for the defensive play calling, but he saw it firsthand. So you would think that he would take that lesson. And like you said, they started blitzing more at the end of the game. So, again, going for that knockout punch on defense. And then on offense, right. they were going, you know, again, they, the, the, the two passes on that thing. And it just – and I think that one thing – because I do blame the players, but I do one thing, think one thing that falls on the coach is that when you start doing that and you don't get it, then a pressure starts to build, right? You came for a blitz and they got a big one. It's, oh, crap, we really got to get this one now, right? Right, right, right. Double down. On the play calling, that starts going down into the players. And that it's the same thing I said about the Bill O'Brien thing back in the divisional round, that when he went for it on his own half of the field after Kansas City scored quick and then Kansas City scored again, I think that entire team went into the bag of, oh, shit, it's time to panic. And I think I right. saw that same thing happen in this game where, like, it was spiraling, and the coach needs to be the steadying voice and the steadying presence that changes that. And in right. both cases, in both these teams, and including that 2016 Super Bowl, the same thing there, the coaches 
almost put this pressure in panic, and it, and it got it became infused on and, or grappled, grappled onto by the whole team, and you saw that right. um, because they didn't, you know, again, the big, you don't need the knockout punch in the fourth quarter up by ten. You just right. needed to use the clock to bleed it. Exactly. You just had to get to the to, to double zeros. That's all yep. you needed, and he and he mismanaged it again, and so that's on him, and he's gonna have to live through that. Um, if I was Tevin Coleman, I, I would I would honestly just like to get as far away from Shanahan as possible. <laughs> that's, that's that's two. That's an untold story there. But Tevin Coleman was that close twice, and both times he's been uh, on the side of a huge collapse uh, on the yep. other side of the ball. Absolutely, he must be really <laughs> he must be feeling it at this point. He's like not again. Not again. You know, it's kind of criminal if you think about it because the strength of that San Francisco 49ers offense. And, and people have forgotten that Jimmy Garoppolo actually was pretty good uh, in, in, uh, in, in terms of passer rating throughout the regular season. But, you know, the strength of that uh, offense was in the ground to ground. They only had – I mean, if you take out, um, you know, if you take out Debo Samuel, uh, which was the bulk of it, then you're down to only 80 yards rushing. I mean, that's, that's kind of criminal. I don't, I don't really get that. That makes no sense to me. And on, on, on 17 carries, I think you know, Damian Williams by himself had 17 carries. I, I don't really understand why um, you have a situation where the San Francisco 49ers, knowing what the strengths were, knowing where the weaknesses were. And I understand that at the beginning of the game, the Kansas City Chiefs defense did the right thing. They stacked the box. They made, they made sure that they, they filled those lanes. They got those gaps. And they said, beat us over the air, Jimmy Garoppolo. And he made a couple short passes, moved the ball, got those first downs. They had some great uh, long drives that did not produce a touchdown. But, you know, at some point you got to get back to that ground game. And like you said, you get back to that fourth quarter and most of it's, you know, clipping along at five yards per carry. Tevin Coleman's clipping along at almost six yards per carry. Debo Samuel's clipping along at 17 yards per carry. And you pass the ball twice? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. All right, let's just flip over to the postseason for a second. And let's, I know it's going to be really hard to predict this stuff, but what do you think about these guys going into the future? 49ers, Chiefs, do you think we're going to see them back in the playoffs again next year? I mean, we saw what happened to the Rams. They completely imploded <laughs> after the Super Bowl. Uh, will that happen to the 49ers as well? Or do you think they're going to have another shot at this? <sighs> so the 49ers, it, it, like you said, I'll – a chicken bleep here and play the fence, but um, (laughs) it is so hard to predict because, you know, in one regard, it feels like they arrived a year or two early um, where they weren't supposed to be here yet, and they were. Right. Um, But on the other hand, so that that would bode well for their future, right? And I I do think they're going to add more weapons uh, in the passing game, which is the biggest thing that they need to address. Uh, right. I still think that their defense, you know, I need to see it a couple more times, whether it was lightning the bottle, because I, I said all along we would see if they really were as elite as they looked or if they get exposed in this game. And at least in the final 10 minutes, it looks like they got more exposed than anything. Um, yeah. But that could be a one-off scenario. But, you know, again, for an unproven team, uh, you know, we obviously know that the defensive line there is, is really good. But like I said, I was unimpressed with the linebackers. Sherman, not exactly young. And, and a lot of the guys in the secondary were, yeah. were, were were relatively unknown. So, um, yep. you know, we'll see what it looks like next year on that side of the ball. Uh, I do – and then – and then, but in, on the negative side, there's two things. One, we know the history of teams who lose the Super Bowl um, outside of the uh, Patriots. You don't really see teams get back and win it the next year after losing it. <laughs> right. Um, yes, but we know the Patriots do. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, you know, I think I think before the Patriots, the last team to go to back-to-back Super Bowls uh, uh, following a loss um, – 
was, or to get back to the year after a loss, was the was the Bills in the early yeah. 90s. They did so it over and over again. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yep. And worse, in my opinion, is that there is a, there is a, a thing about teams getting broken. Um, and, yep. you know, we all know what happened with the Seahawks um, and a lot of uh, stuff that kind of tore that dynasty apart because of people losing trust in Pete Carroll because of the decision to not run the ball. Um, right. The Falcons, who everyone thought was a year early because of how young that defense was, right? Uh, you know, they've they've gone in the tank since losing that since losing that Super Bowl, um, and you know, to the point where one of the the key quote unquote pieces of that young defense, uh, Vic Beasley, they came out on Twitter yesterday and said that they're not even going to try to resign. They're letting him just walk. Um, mm-hmm. So I just I wonder if because players are human too, right? And so they what we're saying about Shanahan. Even if it's not all of them, there's going to be some people in that locker room that feel that way, that like, oh, this isn't the guy to get it done. He's now, he's now choked in two different places with a huge lead in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. And even if it's a, a sizable number at all, even if it's 25%, what happens when they hit hardship next year and that 25% gets pissed off and starts referencing that? Does the other 75% kind of pull right. the other way? And now there's a schism on the team. And it just these things tend to really tear teams apart. So, I don't know, 10 minutes to go up 10 I feel like it's going to be really hard to get back there. Um, you know, the NFC is going to see a lot of changing things. The Drew Brees thing will really affect the landscape there. Uh, yep. If the Packers ever decide to put more weapons around Aaron Rodgers, you know, we'll see. I hope they don't. Uh, <laughs> I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, a long way of saying that the 49ers feel like they are a team on the come up. Um, yep. so we'll see what the lasting impacts of this loss, what this loss was. And I, and I think – if you, if you had to push me to one way or the other, I'd probably lean more towards that they go in the tank for a year or two um, because of trying to recover from this until they turn over enough of the roster. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's entirely possible. And and honestly, that that San Francisco defense, for the most part, did a great job until the very, very, very end. I mean, I, I don't think this doesn't show up in the stats, but you know, nine QB hits, four sacks of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, if, you, if you told me that was going to happen, I would say they have a pretty good shot of winning that game. So I sometimes, you know, I sometimes think that maybe the offense was the bigger problem. But that being said, let's talk about the Chiefs real quick. You think they're going to be back again next year? So, unfortunately, I think we're looking at the next great dynasty um, oh, wow. in football. Okay. Um, wow. I'm on very much on record as, as hating Tyreek Hill um, for yep. uh, the offense. Many reasons. Um, yep. You know, Travis Kelsey is not exactly my favorite. I just he's just <laughs> he's, he's an obnoxious player in my opinion. I don't yep. really care for him very much. Um, and right. them being in the AFC makes me not a fan. So you know, right. it's really a couple couple fold. But I mean, I just don't know how you think that that team isn't going to be there for a while. Um, Andy Reid finally got over the hump, and this didn't feel like you know there's certain guys that finally win one where you know Peyton Manning is a great point, a uh, great uh, guy in my reference in my mind of this is that you know he won but he was never like a, a real winner there was too many big season postseason fails and the second Super Bowl doesn't count so you had the one lightning in a bottle which I'm sorry against the Rex Grossman led Bears which was not a very yeah, formidable that was, opponent he didn't have to uh, earn that we lost that one <laughs> and then in 09 in the big moment he throws the pick to Tracy Porter again so like he never really felt like he got over the hump to me it felt like Reed has been building towards this finally yeah. getting over this hump and now that he did it 
you know, I loved what he said. Um, uh, it was one of the post-game interviews the other day. He said, you know, this feels great. He's like, and, you know, we're going to try to take the time to enjoy this, but, you know, I'm ready to go get the next one, which, right. I mean, that's, that's one thing to say mid-season. But to say that at the end, like you're at the mountaintop, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, we have to enjoy this one, but I want to go get the next. And right. so I feel like he might be a guy who just unlocked it. Um, uh-huh. BME not getting any coaching offers, which was a crime. Uh, right. You know, coming back to run that offense again next year, and yeah. they're they're pretty well locked up. I mean, eventually when Mahomes comes up, we'll see what his contract looks like, and we'll see what that does to the to the archetype of the team. Uh, right. But as long as they can keep him in a reasonable range, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this. Mahomes kind of seems like the kind of guy, like a Tom Brady to me, that might not want to be. You know, he'll want to get paid, but I don't know that he's right. going to be necessarily the guy paying me the top of the market. He feels right. like the kind of guy that's going to be like, make sure there's still weapons around me and we'll build a defense. Let's go win a bunch of games. I um, think that's right. That's my feel too. Yeah. So, and, and, and he has, and they have like, a lot of weapons like coming Watson up. I like and Jackson, so I think the AFC yep. is going to be tough for the years to come if Billy O'Brien ever gets blown out of Houston, which Watson deserves. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so it won't be easy. I think the AFC is much stronger right now and more useful than the NFC. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I see the Chiefs vying for, for Super Bowls for the next 10 years. Yeah, and I actually I think that Michael Hardman can be a big part of this into the future as well, and he's obviously a rookie, so lots of things there. Uh, looking up for Kansas City. One last question before we go, because uh, I have to ask you, because I know you're up there in the Northeast. Tom Brady, you mentioned him. There's the talk now that the Patriots are willing to pay him thirty million to come back next year. You think he's going to be back, and do you think that's the right move? Uh, I mean, that's a good one. The hard one for last question. <laughs> what, a, what a what a question to love you at the end of this. Um, yeah, five seconds. What do you think? <laughs> let me let me walk back backwards through it. Should they keep him? Uh, only because I don't know what the what the alternative is. The, the only alternative right. that sounds at all intriguing to me is Teddy Bridgewater. Interesting. Other than that, Not Cam Newton. I heard Cam Newton might be uh, I, in play. Yeah, I think Cam Newton's damaged goods. Um, okay. I, and I, and and he's on the older side, you know. Anything that involves, not that Breeze's road doesn't float around there, but anything that would involve like right. Breeze or Rivers, like if you're going to get a rental guy, just keep the rental you have. Tom Brady, right. I'll take that rental over any other rental. There's sure. longevity in Bridgewater. I I do I do think Cam has been too beat up, too broken down. I just don't see that him playing another five plus years. So um, right. Teddy's a guy that maybe can play the next eight nine years, and he's shown flashes. And this year he was good in the good system. So. That's an intriguing guy to me um, that I would consider. You know, Stidham I don't think is ready, and I don't see the Patriots going up and drafting somebody high. Uh, although the one name, which unfortunately our boy Joey's not here, uh, I think from in the second or third round, which is where he's projecting to go right now, right, um, right, would be an interesting fit. He's more of an old-school type quarterback. He'd fit in the Patriots uh-huh. kind of system. Um, he's a guy who the polish kind of came off of this last year. Uh, yep. And so you can get him at a value. So I wouldn't be surprised, even if the Patriots go a bridge guy, um, if you see a from for Stidham swap if from is available in the third round. So that's the guy that I have my eye on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would definitely so like that. Yeah, so that's where I'm at on where if they should. So, you know, I would lean towards keeping Brady, but the Brady act's kind of wearing thin. It's starting to get to the to the Rob Gronkowski thing, um, uh-huh. where the two of them. Um, you know, get, approaching far of territory about the retirement. Am I going? Am I not? And like that yeah. selfish about me stuff. I just don't enjoy. Uh, right. As far as what I think he's going to do, 
I think people are are missing the point. Um, well, let me talk about the other part real quick, and then I can tell us about it. So the twofold thing is, he says he wants thirty million, but he also says he wants weapons around him. Yeah, you know, that he's not taking a hometown discount, but he wants all these weapons around him. Well, right. if, if they don't sign him before, uh, forget what the date is in March, the mid-March, then there's a $13 million cap hit. So you're going to pay him right. 30 take on the excess $13 million, and then you think you're going to retool this team? This team is yeah. old on defense for the most part, um, yep. uh, especially in that front seven area. Uh, the offensive line's a mess, and they don't have enough offensive passing weapons. So if you're right. going to fix all that, you can't be paying a guy $43 million, let's call it. So. I right. don't think that that's doable. So he's going to – hopefully that's just a negotiating tactic where he would actually take less if they give him some kind of bargaining chip where they say, hey, we're going to give you $22 million for three years. We'll lock you up, and we're going to bring you in on personnel decisions. But that's yeah. it. You know, so that's right. one way I think it could work. Lastly, the big part of this news thing from the Rappaport uh, thing this weekend, because Rappaport right. usually picks out Patriot team reports. Schefter's more in the Brady camp. Um, right. So the big, the big news about – Rappaport doing that that I don't think got paid enough attention to, at least nationally. The fact that the number came out is really scary, meaning yeah. if you think Brady's staying. Because yeah. there's really only one time you ever hear numbers floated out there during negotiations for the Patriots. Um, times that come to mind were uh, during the Darrell Rivas going into free agency moment um, when they let Wes Welker go. It, it, it's yep. honestly a sign of a beginning of a smear campaign for the Patriots where they start to leak out to like, well, we were willing to go for $30 million. We can't right. make the guy sign. What do you right. want us to do? We tried right. to sign right. him, and it's because five, a paid quarterback. What else do you want us to do? Right. Right, and if I know the Patriots, it's disingenuous because it's $15 million base with 15 in incentives, right? So it's not actually a $30 right. million dollar deal, and they'll never tell you how their contract was structured. But, again, anyone who doubts me, go back and look at the, the articles from this time of year, the year that Revis left, the year that Walker left, the year that Tlaib yeah. left. They always do this. When they're, when they're quiet, that's when they're negotiating and they make, make moves. When a number starts getting floated out in the media, they're starting to put it out there like, well, can't be mad at the old Patriots. We tried. We really wanted the guy yeah. back, but, ah, oh, shucks, what are you going to do? So um, <laughs> I think that's a sign that, that, that Brady might be gone. I think there's just too much blood in the water. Um, if, you, if, if I really had to guess it, I'd say 70-30. I think he's leaving. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and and hey, it'd be interesting. Imagine if he went to the Raiders. <laughs> wow. What a well, crazy disaster. Like, he, thinks he, was frustra- he thinks he was frustrated last year. Go have fun yeah. throwing to that to that receiving core. <laughs> have, right. have fun in, o- er, in Oakland, Las Vegas, buddy. Like enjoy right. that. Anything else have to go on? The Dolphins is the other one. Yeah. Go throw to Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and don't forget Preston Williams, right? Because he's all. <laughs> oh, I do but love, he also. I do love Preston Williams. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. But he and and uh, I guess the other one was uh was it was, was San Diego in play? I think the Chargers. I mean, it's not San Diego. L A. The Chargers were they in play at some point as well? As, as I've made I, a he, mantra on this show, until L A. recognizes that the Chargers are in L A., we can still call it the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. But yeah, that one that's makes fair. sense too, just because the amount of talent there. Uh, that's one where he <laughs> could plug and play and maybe go win a Super Bowl. But that you want to go play the Chiefs twice a year? That's the division you yeah, want to go, no, thank you. go go get into and have to go through that team to get to the Super Bowl again. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how this all uh, pans out. So, hey, I'm gonna be interested. I mean, we saw in the we saw the Hulu commercial, right? He said he's staying. He's gonna play next year, no matter what. So let's see, we'll see where he ends up. Um, hey, I'll say one thing. I really, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see the Vernon Davis uh, uh, retirement video, the one where he does uh, the video with uh, Gronkowski and uh, Harrison. I did not. Oh, he does a Golden Girls spoof with the three of them as retirees. It is it is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And out oh, of the I'll blue, it's like, out, oh, I and I retired. 
Yeah, it's it's great. He and Gronkowski and Harrison and there and some random old woman who apparently was Gronk's like <laughs> grade school teacher, and they're all like uh, redoing the opening sequence to Golden Girls. It's great. Anyway, I did enjoy it's that. <laughs> all right. I will say Brady's commercial got me. I really thought I thought we were getting the the goodbye speech there. Um, yeah, me too. Halfway through the commercial, so he got me because yeah, anyone egotistical and, and and would would want to do it himself through a commercial. Um, you know, Mr. TV 12 method himself would be a guy to do that. So, yeah, like I was, I was getting ready to talk about how obnoxious that was. And I was talking about how, and I ended up talking about how obnoxious it was for a whole nother reason. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are at the end of the show. It was a, it was a, it's a, it was a great year. It was a great year for football. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a fun set of playoffs. And I, and you know, I, I agree with you. Parts of the four, uh, the Super Bowl were boring. It was an exciting end of the Super Bowl. I actually was rooting for the 49ers, but not because I actually care about it. I, I'm just kind of a big Garoppolo fan. Um, but that being said, hey, it was it was interesting. It definitely didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out from the beginning of the year. So let's hit the air horn on the season. We're going to the off season next week, and we're going to be talking about free agents. We're going to be talking about scouting for the combine and scouting for the draft. A lot of great stuff off season, so stick with us. Hey, and guess what? The XFL is next weekend. You gonna be watching that, Ryan? Oh God, no! And this, <laughs> this, this whole thing about additional football leagues, like like you know, if they started broadcasting AAA and AA baseball games on on, on major networks, anyone any of us would care. We all want to no, watch the right. best athletes. The XFL doesn't have the best <laughs> athletes, or else they'd be in the NFL. Like, yeah. hey, I saw a local article about three guys who got cut from the Patriots can uh, from Patriots roster last summer are going to make their debut in the XFL. I didn't want to watch yeah. them in August when they were wearing right. a Patriots uniform. I think I want to watch them wearing whoever in the XFL. Spare me. Right, right. And then you know, you know, the funny thing is though that if they put minor league baseball games on regular TV, there is a better chance I would watch that because there are actual prospects there that could be, you know, people sure. who are coming up yeah, the ranks through minor league baseball. There. Yeah, that doesn't happen in football, right? If you're if you're a prospect, you're already been drafted. So, uh, but that being said, I will check out the first game of the season just for the hell of it, like I did at the AAF <laughs> last year. Um, just just to just to remind myself of how much I miss NFL football. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I purposely so, didn't remember the name from the last year's summer league, but all I know is that like. Um, even when injuries started to pile up, 99% of those guys still couldn't find their way onto a practice squad in the NFL. So uh, that, that tells you how those talent pools transition into the NFL. That's true. Although uh, I think uh, the the, uh, the kicker for um, the Atlanta Falcons, right? He uh, he made his comeback on in the AAF, so that's not so bad. Anyway, if you have to dig that deep, I guess it's not really that great. All right, let's <laughs> let's move on here. Give us your uh, social media so people can follow you. Yeah, uh, as you said, if you if you want to find a kicker for a non-playoff team next year, look at uh, look at the XFL this weekend. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield N E and Joey. You're a bitch for not showing up today, bud. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me at uh, at FB Garbage Time. Uh, once again, thank you for wasting time with us all season long. We got lots of off-season coverage for you, so tune back in. And until next time, enjoy your XFL week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you want to enjoy. But enjoy something. Maybe watch some basketball or something. Well, as we fade out, because we didn't even get to it, and I didn't even think of it. So as we play out here, uh, just yep. want to point out the hypocrisy of uh, middle America loving Adam Levine with his shirt off, but being offended and outraged by Shakira and J-Lo this year. So you all <laughs> are frauds. Oh, man. I'm from middle America. <laughs> 
All right. Thanks, everybody. Later.